Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today, we've got a nuclear revenge story of how someone got revenge for their child. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, ex boyfriend vandalizes my car, so I trash his apartment. Throughout my entire life, I've been in a lot of relationships. I'm the kind of person who believes that there's a lot of love out there, and I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't let myself experience it. Till today, I still don't know if this is the right mindset or not, because as quick as I am to enter a relationship, that is just how quick I am at getting out of one the minute I stop feeling as I used to. Now, for the most part, my breakups are usually clean and mature, but sometimes it gets messy probably a clingy or emotionally immature ex who wouldn't accept the fact that I've moved on from the relationship. I don't have a lot of them, but the few ones I have are usually crazy. This story is about one of the craziest of them all. Let's call him Mark. I met Mark during my final year of college. It was my final semester and I was under a lot of pressure. My grades had been good and overall I was an above average student, but for some reason I got really scared and anxious in my final year. I guess I can call it imposter syndrome, because none of my members of my family ever got to finish college. Not my mom or dad. My older brother got to sophomore year and then dropped out. My other brother, my immediate older brother, didn't even try to get into college. Even though they were all doing well in their chosen paths, I'd made it a point to finish college. Anyway, I'd just gotten back from the library after a six-hour study marathon, and I wanted my bed so badly, I'd even forgotten that that day was my birthday. As soon as I got home, I tossed my bag somewhere and my shoes somewhere else. Then I went to bed. Less than 30 minutes later, I received a phone call. I usually put my phone on do not disturb whenever I want to sleep, but I was so tired that night that I forgot. I looked at the caller ID and it was my best friend Susan. She told me I had to come over to her place and that she had just cut her hand with a knife and she was bleeding out and she thought she was going to die. In hindsight, I should have known that Susan had a flair for the dramatic. But then again, even if I thought she was joking or overreacting, I couldn't risk it. On the off chance that she was telling the truth, I dragged myself out of bed and hurried out of my apartment. I drove down to her apartment building, it was a walkable distance, 10 minutes tops, but I had to get there as soon as possible in case if she wasn't joking. I got to her apartment building in good time and hurried up the flight of stairs to her apartment. The door was slightly open, which was unusual. At that moment, my thoughts ran wild. What if she was actually terribly injured? I ran into the apartment only to receive the shock of my life. Surprise! There I was, standing with my heart in my throat in front of my closest friends, colleagues from school, and a bunch of strangers I'd never met in my entire life. It was a surprise party, and Susan had fooled me into thinking she had an accident to get me to come. I remember when she planned to throw me a party, I specifically told her I was going to be studying for school. So I didn't want a party, but somehow that got lost in translation and what she thought I meant was that I wanted a surprise party. But seriously, it was difficult to get mad at Susan. I understood that she cared for me, and that was why she was always so extra. I decided to go with it, but with the promise that I'd leave in one hour. She said sure and got me a drink. I had another marathon study the next day, so I wasn't drinking. I stayed in the apartment with Susan for a few minutes, but the moment she turned away to attend to another friend, I slipped away. The loud music and a noise were starting to get to me and if I hadn't left the apartment, 
I would surely have gotten a headache. I mean, I still got a headache the next day, but it could have been worse. I left the apartment and took a seat by the stairs. It was going to take a while before Susan noticed that I'd left, but she'd find out eventually. I spent the time scrolling through Twitter and Pinterest. I was so deep into it that I didn't notice someone walking up behind me. It was when I heard the bark of a dog that I turned around, and there he stood. Tall, handsome, with a contagious smirk, he was holding a small golden retriever pup. I rose from the steps to let him pass and he made his way downward after saying thank you. A few moments later, I'd gone back to Twitter when he returned. He still had the same smile on his lips, but the pup in his arms was gone. Where's the cute pup? was the first thing I said to him. He explained that the dog wasn't his and he was just sitting it for someone. I introduced myself to him and so did he. We talked for close to 30 minutes and soon enough, I could hear Susan out in the hallway yelling my name. I had to leave. I forgot to collect his number before returning to the party. I only remembered the next day when I was thinking about the party. I was so pissed off, but there was nothing I could do. He's gone and I might never see him again, or at least that's what I thought. Susan invited me to her apartment less than a week later. She wanted to bake a cake for her boyfriend's birthday, but she didn't know the first thing about baking a cake. I didn't know why she wouldn't just buy a cake like everyone else, but I had to help her do basically everything. When I got there, I found Susan standing in the hallway. Apparently, she had tried to bake some cupcakes by herself, but she ended up burning the whole batch and smoking the entire apartment. We had to stay outside to wait for the smoke to clear out. We were talking about something when Mark walked out of the apartment directly opposite Susan's. I was so surprised because, for some reason, I'd thought Mark had come for the party. And even with the pup he was holding, my mind didn't make the association that there was a possibility that he lived in the same apartment with Susan. We talked for a moment, and this time he asked for my number, which I gave to him immediately. After that, he said hi to Susan and walked away. I asked Susan why she didn't tell me that he lived there. Even though I didn't tell her a single thing about him, she merely shrugged and told me not to think about it, because Mark was bad news. I asked her why she thought so but all she had to say was that she got a bad vibe from him. Coming from Susan, who kept a long line of unhealthy relationships and didn't know when to back out of one, that comment didn't mean much to me. That night, Mark texted me and even when I had earlier decided that I was going to go to bed early to sleep off the fatigue that had resulted from living in the library, I stayed up till 4am texting Mark. Mark was a third year lit major, and he was two years younger than me. I should have seen this as a red flag then, but I didn't. Even while he was young, he was funny and very interesting. He wanted to be a writer and he was very passionate about books. Our first date night took place in the library. I mean, I wouldn't call it a date, but we hung out, so yeah, it was kind of a date. We continued our routine of midnight texting and library dates for some time before he asked me out on a real date. Less than a month later, we started dating. It was fun for a while because Mark always wanted to be around to keep me company. Sometimes he would stay in my apartment for over two weeks. The only problem was that he always was very active. Even with the fact that he loved to read novels and stuff, he couldn't sit in one place for a long time. He loved loud music and was always jumping from one task to the other. It was kind of annoying. The biggest problem was that he took offense whenever I called out these behaviors. He didn't like to be told that he was doing something wrong. I think he was insecure about the fact that I was older than him and that it made it feel like I was trying to correct him from that standpoint. Whenever he came over to my place, we fought almost every day but he would change nothing. One day, I was tired of the whole issue and I decided to break up with him. 
He didn't see it coming. He begged me to stay, but I said no. In two months, I was already seeing someone else. I had that someone over one day when Mark came to my place without prior notice. He was so pissed that I was already seeing someone else, and we got into a huge fight. Eventually, he left. I thought that was the end. Till two days later, when exams started, I had my first paper and was already running late because I spent the night studying and overslept. I got to my car and it wouldn't start. That was when I noticed that the tires were flat. But they weren't just flat, they were torn with something sharp, probably a knife, but that wouldn't stop the car from starting, so I decided to check the hood. To my horror, every wire had been cut off, every plug pulled out, even the engine looked like it had taken a few hits. It was terrible. Nothing was stolen, so I knew it wasn't random. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I didn't have to think hard before I guessed who had it out for me and who was just immature enough to do something like this. I wanted to report to the police, but they'll just make them pay a fine. I wanted more than that, so I waited. I waited till I was done with exams and I was free enough to carry out my plan. The Friday after I finished my exams, I decided to go to his place. I knew that Mark always went to visit friends on Friday evening, so I waited outside his apartment to watch his movements. As soon as he left, I entered his apartment, careful not to run into Susan. I knew where he kept his spare key, so I got into his apartment. I started with his collection of first edition books. I used his kitchen knife to tear it to shreds and then went ahead to do the same things to his clothes. Next, I smashed his laptop and tossed his chairs. To top it all off, I smashed a window and left the house the same way I came in. After that, I called Susan to hang out with the rest of our other friends so I'd have an alibi in case he decided to call the police. He didn't and I never heard from him again. I guess it's a little bit of a tit-for-tat situation where if they rat on you, you have a case to turn around and say, well, I did it because he did this to my vehicle and my property. 
probably just didn't want to go down that rabbit hole and open up this whole, really, legal situation. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy these nuclear revenge stories, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our next story is The Love of My Life, Annette. Right from when I was young, for as long as I can remember, I've always been the black sheep. Wherever I went and wherever I found myself, all except the place I called home. It was only my family that still treated me as I still meant something to them, and I was worth something at least. Because for as long as I can remember, ever since I'd begun going to school, I was always that one kid that was the very object of bullying. And every single time I'd taken the matter to a higher authority, they would always end up dismissing the students that were involved. And I would also be let off with an apology and these exact same words. They only bully you because they feel intimidated by you, your presence, and your intellect. They do not have any other means of catching up to you, and thus they think bullying is the only way to stop you. Prove them wrong. I have always held on to this every single time an incident happens. But also, every single time, I would also consider the fact that there was absolutely nothing I had that they could possibly want. For one, my parents were not too well off, as they were still struggling to keep our family together, and also still managing to do the little they could so as to provide the highest level of education that they could afford for me. This was at the time the only thing that was motivating me, seeing as most people did not have the benefit of even having parents that were trying their very best to ensure that their kid had everything needed to survive on their own later in life. So in some way, this was also my driving force regardless of their endless taunting and bullying. Things soon changed. Right when I was in my second year in high school, and this was all due to the presence of someone so precious and dear to my heart at the time, that sometimes she'd almost seemed like an angel, as the moment she came, it was similar to getting saved from everything I was going through in school, as related to the constant bullying and all. Right after entering high school, I was immediately made aware of my then current situation as some of my seniors came over to me and began to educate me on the system they went by there, and they also tried to put me in my place by simply giving me their welcome speech for guys like me. Basically, they tried to show me who ruled the social setting in the school, and I made it really clear to the guys that came over to meet me that I was willing to abide by everything they want of me, as I wasn't planning to resist in any way or rebel against any person that I was not supposed to or get in their way. And right after I said this, I guess you could say this was the biggest mistake I could have made, as apparently I basically said to them, I was ready to become your dog and I would accept my place as your dog. Because right from that very moment, I had truly become their dog, because seeing as I was gullible and weak looking, as one could be, I was constantly being taken advantage of. And this seriously affected my academics, and when I tried to voice out my problems, I was ganged up on right after school. And they beat the heck out of me, and they also threatened to do even more serious damage if I were to report any higher up. And thus began my hellish life in the school, or so I thought. Right when I was in my second year, we had a new student, a girl, Annette was her name. She was almost the same age as I was, and the moment she came, she instantly became the buzz of the entire school, as her parents were popular for being famous for some movies that were famous at the time. I immediately knew to distance myself from her, because seeing as she was the new buzz of the school, 
She would most definitely catch the eye of various seniors that were my higher-ups, and also, while she was the new girl in school, and as popular as she got with the teachers and all the students, she was still also trying to compete with me for the top student position in our grade. And I guess this is where you could say I caught her eye. The one thing I absolutely did not want to happen, happened. Anyways, following her arrival, she had decided to meet the competition just once, as in her words, she wanted to check me out. We met one day finally during recess when we were done with one of our classes. As she approached me and asked to speak with me, as she had heard that I was the one at the top of the class in terms of grades and all, I wanted to tell her off, as I did not want to have anything to do with her, seeing as I would only get in more trouble if I was caught just being around her. So I immediately avoided her question as I made my way to the venue of my next class. I guess I shouldn't have done that as she took it as even more motivation to come at me as she didn't know then what kind of trouble I would be in if I were even caught talking to her and all. Our little game of tag went on for quite a while as she was still relentless as the first day she came. And then what I'd been dreading for the past weeks had finally come to pass. As she was following me around as usual, still trying to figure out why I would not just talk to her and why I'd been avoiding her these past weeks since she'd arrived in school, I just decided then and there that I was going to finally give her the benefit of a conversation as I was already feeling bad for her and also I was dreading what would happen if my seniors were to catch me anywhere around her as I was already hearing from other students that my seniors were watching me and my movements. On this day, when she stopped and asked me the same question she'd been asking me for the past few weeks, as I turned to answer her, there they were. The very guys I'd been trying my possible best to avoid. They were right behind her and as I tried to walk away peacefully, they stopped me right there in my tracks as they began to question me as to why I was seen around a net at the time and why I was always following her around. And right there, before I could say anything, They'd already ganged up on me as usual, and they began to beat the living daylight out of me, as they warned me not to ever be near Annette again, as far as I still wanted to graduate from the school peacefully. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, as I was beaten right there in front of the girl that, I would admit now, I was beginning to have feelings for back then. It had seemed like this was one of those moments that one would wish that the ground would just open up and swallow me right then and there, as I didn't even want to move from the spot I was. I later gathered my strength. I went to my locker and packed my books as I went home straight. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I usually try to hide my face from my parents, as I know that they would blow the matter out of proportions and it would only make things worse for me. So when I went home that day, I went straight to my room as I'd already been to the school's infirmary, and I was treated a bit, and it would have been obvious for my parents if they'd seen it that day. So the next day, when my mom saw my face, she asked what had happened, and I just told her that I had an accident during our sports practice, and it was nothing serious. She was skeptical as to my excuse, but she went along. When I got to school that day, I tried my possible best to avoid Annette, 
as best as I could, so as to avoid a repeat of the previous day's incident and all, and just as I was about to head silently to class, she dragged me out of nowhere and took me to a secluded lab and she began to apologize, mainly for what happened the day before as she had no idea what was going to happen. Seeing as she was following me around and all, she also said she wanted to help me get back at them for what they did to me. I tried as much as possible to persuade her from doing anything rash so that things would not blow unnecessarily out of proportions, but she was adamant about what she had set up her mind to at the time, and I knew there was nothing I could do to stop her. So we decided to meet up right after school to discuss what we were going to do and how we were going to get back at them. We met up right after school, as the path to both our houses were along the same path, and then she began to tell me what she had planned, some of which was seeming too extreme for me, but somehow she felt okay with it. I guess she was still feeling guilty for what had happened and she just wanted to do this as a means to clear up her conscience. After much speculation, we finally decided to come up with a plan, which would not only ruin their lives currently, but could also potentially land them in juvenile homes. Annette, after infiltrating the circle of seniors, after they'd invited her over to hang out, became an inside man, as she was trying to find out some things she could use to report them to the authorities. And then she found out that nearly all of them were dealing with and in illegal substances, of which were strictly prohibited by law, so she took some photos and brought them as part of the evidence. But she was not done, as my job was to find a way to get some of the substance they were dealing in and place them in their lockers as more reliable and relevant evidence. And I was also in charge of reporting this to the principal and, of course, the law enforcement agents. We did all of this in under 24 hours, and when we were finally done with everything that the both of us needed to do, we just sat back and watched the dominoes fall. The next day in school, all the seniors involved were called to the principal's office alongside their parents, and the principal apparently tried to cover things up as best that she could, but it was to no avail, as the law enforcement agents were all already involved. And no sooner had they arrived did they take all parties involved into custody. They also went along with the evidence already gathered by the school's authority, and that was it. The set of people that were always reigning supreme in the school were gone. My tormentors were gone, and it's all thanks to Annette. Since that very day, we've been close ever since, right through our college days, and now we're about celebrating our five years wedding anniversary. She has really been like a blessing to me, right from the day I met her till this very day. Well, they had been a blessing to OP except for the one day where they'd gotten beaten up, but after that point, it was all beautiful. My question is, why is the principal on the inside here? Like, why were they so vested in trying to protect these kids who were not only bullies, but also dealing stuff, probably in or around school? Like, were their parents big donors to the school programs? Or were they in any way related or friends with the parents of those kids? Just seems all kinds of messed up from top to bottom. Our next story is how I got revenge for my child. We lived in a very quiet town. The name was Oak Ridge and although it's been a couple of years now, I still remember the story like it happened yesterday. The offender might forget, but there's actually no way the offender forgets. And that's even if they find a way to forgive the offender in the first place. To be clear, I am not the offended, neither am I the offender, but I'm like a mother hen to her chicks. I protected what was mine without giving it two thoughts. So let me tell you the story of how I got revenge on my child's bully. 
In our quiet town, I woke up each morning with a singular purpose in my heart, to protect my only child, Rook. With my warm smile and nurturing spirit, I was the kind of parent who would move heaven and earth to ensure my child's happiness. I was a devoted teacher, tirelessly imparting knowledge to my elementary school students, but my most important role was being Brooke's mother. At 10 years old, my precious Brooke was a bright and gentle soul, brimming with curiosity and boundless potential. Those wide eyes of my child were filled with the innocence of youth, but beneath their sparkle lay the anguish of relentless torment. As the sun cast its golden rays over Oak Ridge Elementary, I watched as Brooke's youthful spirit began to dim under the constant cruelty of that one particular school bully. The bully, Jason, was the embodiment of trouble. With a menacing glare and a sharp tongue, he had transformed the halls of Oak Ridge Elementary into a fearful domain. His relentless taunts and physical aggression had shattered my child's self-esteem. The child, once vibrant and full of life, now bore the physical and emotional scars of the torment inflicted by Jason. My heart ached constantly as I watched my child suffer in silence. I saw the way Brooke's shoulders slumped when she approached the door to the hallway, knowing that he would be slammed to the walls or accidentally trip on someone's shoes. The sparkle in those innocent eyes dimmed, and it got to a time I decided to do something about it. It was the love for my child that fueled my determination, driving me to confront the relentless antagonist who had made my child's life a living nightmare. As the days went by, I couldn't shake off the growing concern and frustration that settled in the pit of my stomach. It was as if a dark cloud loomed over our home, casting a shadow on my child's once joyful and carefree demeanor. Brooke's laughter had grown scarce, replaced by the quiet, painful tears that only a parent could detect. Every evening, I'd sit at the kitchen table with Brooke, her trembling hands gripping a half-eaten sandwich as she recounted the horrors she faced at school. The torment was relentless taunts, jeers, and cruel pranks that left her emotionally battered. I felt helpless, watching the lively spark in her eyes slowly fade, the weight of this unbearable burden pressing down on her tiny shoulders. At the very least, I was thankful that she didn't hide it from me. At first, she didn't want to tell me what was going on, but at some point, she knew she had no choice but to. Desperate to protect my child, I took my concerns to the school, hoping for swift action. The principal listened to my pleas, offered sympathetic words, and assured me that the situation would be addressed. They promised investigations and counseling, but as the days turned into weeks, Jason's actions remained unchecked. The school's well-intentioned efforts seemed inadequate in the face of a bully who knew how to hide his tracks. Somehow, I still think it was more than that. To me, it seemed like the usual case of a spoiled brat with wealthy parents who felt he could do as he pleased because his parents donated heavily to the school, and he could never really be sanctioned for his actions. So I didn't stop at the school, for my child's well-being was at stake. I consulted with lawyers, thinking that legal measures might bring the justice Brooke so desperately needed. Yet the complex legal system couldn't offer a quick solution to end the suffering. It was a heartbreaking realization that the very channels designed to protect our children failed us. The bully continued to torment my precious Brooke, seemingly emboldened by the lack of consequences. Plus, he was a minor after all. There's little that can be done in court about minor activities like this. Well, maybe there are things to be done, but I was totally oblivious to them. With each passing day, the helplessness gnawed at my heart, and I watched as my beloved Brooke's spirit continued to wither. 
The torment inflicted by Jason had taken its toll, and I could no longer stand idly by. Determination welled up within me more than it did before, and I decided to do something that would actually have an impact. It was no longer enough to rely on the impotent efforts of the school and legal system. I became a detective in my own right. I decided to check through the media about every detail about Jason's parents, his habits, vulnerabilities, and any secrets that could be exploited. I knew pretty much how cunny kids like Jason could be because I moved with the bullies in high school. I knew how far things could get if they weren't stopped when there was still a bit of fear in the students. That was why I knew that I had to find a way to keep my daughter out of the bullying league. In the quiet solitude of my makeshift command center, I hatched a meticulous plan to make Jason, the tormentor of my precious Brooke, pay for every tear he had forced from her eyes. Revenge was not my first choice, but it became a necessity to ensure my child's safety and restore her sense of self-worth. My plan was crafted with careful consideration, designed to humiliate Jason while avoiding any violent or illegal actions that might compromise my own morality or land me in legal trouble. I was determined that this revenge would not transform me into a mirror image of the bully who had tormented my child. The first step involved targeting his online presence. I created a fictitious persona, infiltrating his social media world and subtly leaking the secrets I'd uncovered. I was well aware that the revelation of his own vulnerabilities and fears could incite a level of panic and insecurity that matched the emotional turmoil he had subjected Brooke to. But the craziest thing is that these so-called secrets were not real things that should matter, at least not in the real world. The best of what I found was that he had a half-brother that people did not really know about in our community. I guess the family didn't want the details of the father's infidelity to be the topic of town. So it was kind of a big deal in that regard. Next, I orchestrated situations in which Jason would face public embarrassment and ridicule, making him have to tell obvious lies because a little birdie was feeding him the information. Well, the little birdie was me. I created a fake account on Facebook where I told supposed truths. He would say it to his clique, and it would end up being a lie. These psychological tactics were aimed at making him truly understand the pain he had caused. I ensured that his friends and peers began to question his actions and motives, leaving him isolated and shunned. I knew that revenge would come at a cost, not just to Jason, but to my own conscience. It was a moral tightrope I was walking. But my love for Brooke and the need to protect her propelled me forward. This non-violent revenge was my way of restoring the balance, making Jason face the same fear and torment that had haunted my child's days and nights. In the aftermath of my carefully executed revenge plan, I'd expected to find satisfaction in the fact that Jason was finally facing the consequences of his actions. But as the days turned into weeks, I couldn't escape the gnawing doubt that my actions might have unintended consequences that extended far beyond the tormentor himself. My nights were haunted by the thought of collateral damage. The innocents who might be caught in the crossfire of my revenge. I had inadvertently involved other students, friends of Jason's, who were neither responsible for his actions, nor deserving of the humiliation I had orchestrated. I had to make it seem like it was not a witch hunt specifically meant for Jason. I had to make him feel like there was someone else that knew the secrets he knew. However, the consequences extended to Brooke, my beloved child. She had been my motivation from the beginning, and I'd hoped that my actions would protect her from further harm. 
but instead, my vengeful plot seemed to have thrust her into a spotlight of attention she never sought. She became the subject of whispers, rumors, and judgments that were as merciless as the bullying itself. I guess the bitter part about bullies is that they tend to pass out their aggression of something unrelated to the other person they'd term inferior to them. In this case, since I made Jason the pillar for scandalous rumors, he got the idea to do the same thing to those he considered inferior to him. It wasn't just a brook, but it was hers that had me instantly regretting my involvement in the bullying affair. She came home from school that day, crying that they began to spread a rumor about her that she stole from the cafeteria because we had no money. First, that was awful to say about a kid, and secondly, we were living just fine. I worked two jobs that paid handsomely and we had enough to spare for savings, so I could be sure that the rumors were absolutely false. The realization of the harm I'd caused to innocent bystanders and the moral toll my actions were taking on my own conscience weighed heavily upon me. I'd become the very thing I despised, a force of cruelty, vengeance, and manipulation. I'd lost sight of my own values and inadvertently exposed Brooke to the darkness that had driven me to such extreme measures. The line between right and wrong had blurred, and I knew that I needed to make amends before it was too late. So this time, I went to the school management and asked for an in-depth investigation into why a rumor was passed around that my daughter was responsible for the missing supplies in the cafeteria. I was not really banking on anything noteworthy from them, so I told my daughter to protect herself the next time she was bullied or tripped. What did she do? In a surprising turn of events, my daughter Brooke decided to take matters into her own hands and protect herself from further bullying. One day, as she was faced with yet another incident orchestrated by Jason and his gang, she executed a daring move. With courage and determination, she delivered a well-aimed blow that broke the nose of one of the bullies who had tripped her, leaving him in shock and pain. The school was immediately alerted to the incident, and I was called in for a meeting with the principal and other concerned parties. When I arrived, my daughter sat beside me, her face a mix of defiance and triumph, I listened to the school staff and other parents and their concerns, but I didn't respond. Brooke in her own way had shown that she would not tolerate being a victim any longer. The suspension that followed was a small price to pay for the satisfaction of making it clear that she wouldn't be bullied any further. Her actions resonated throughout the school, sending a powerful message that she wouldn't be an easy target. Though her suspension may not have been the ideal outcome, it was the last time she came home with a story of being bullied. I bullied her bully, and she learned to dish out the same to them. I mean, I guess, at the end of the day, if the school isn't doing anything about bullies, maybe you have to become the bully yourself. I guess, at that point, maybe it'll escalate to the point where they do intervene. Or, you know, they've got this bias for the wealthy parents. Maybe they would just keep screwing over the people they also kind of deem inferior themselves, right? But with that being said... That's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.